In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we've been listening to Jesus this Epiphany season. We've heard him confound the doctors of the law in the temple at the age of 12, and if there was sunlight streaming in, you'd see that window right over there. We've heard him tell his parents, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? We've heard his mother tell him they have no wine at a wedding feast at Cana. We've heard Jesus ask the servants to fill jars used for water to purify cups and plates and bowls. And by the time the master of the feast had tasted that water, it had become not just wine, but the best wine. We've heard Jesus heal a leper up close and personal, as well as a centurion's servant far away by speaking the word. In our listening to Jesus, have we heard what he has said? We've heard it, yes. But have we listened to it? There is a difference between hearing and listening. And the best way I can explain it is to go back to one of my generation's favorites, the Charlie Brown animated specials. Whenever Charlie Brown and his friends were at school, their teacher, Miss Othmar, was heard by you and me, but yet Charlie and his friends could listen to what she said. The difference is when you and I heard Miss Othmar speak, it sounded like a trombone with a plunger mute. Wah, 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 wah. Yes, Miss Othmar. See, they could understand it, but we couldn't. We may be able to make out what is being said, but we don't really comprehend what we hear. And that is where listening happens. When we listen, we focus our ears on the spoken word. We hear with understanding, and as Christians, more than just understanding, with faith, believing what is said. If there is anything that is beyond comprehension, though, it is our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. One of the most popular questions I am asked as a pastor is, Pastor, how come there's so many churches? Why can't Christians put aside differences and be one visible body in Christ? Right up there with that question in the top five list of most often asked questions of this pastor is this one. Pastor, how come there are so many Bible translations? Why can't Christians just pick one of them and stick with it? The answer to both of these questions often asked, could be answered with the words our Heavenly Father says in his son's transfiguration. Listen to him. Christ's church, beloved, is one, even though there are many different churches. While Christians should never give up working for unity this side of eternal life, Because of our sinful nature, there will be differences among Christians. St. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Some Corinthian Christians were listening to Jesus speak in his word, and others were hearing him but not really listening. 
As it was in Corinth then, so it is in the good old U.S. of A. today. Some Christians belong to church bodies that do listen to Jesus' word in Holy Scripture and follow his words. Other Christians, however, begin the theological process by licking their finger to check to see which way the wind blows. And then... They listen to Jesus and take his words and fit it into that licked finger wind direction thing, making our Lord say what they want him to say. Now, let me add that there are faithful Christians, many of them, who listen to Jesus speak in his word, who sit in pews of churches where Jesus' word is formed into personal opinion. They remain faithful to him and to what he says in spite of what they hear from the pulpit. And yes, it works the other way. There are people who attend congregations like ours. I'm not going to name names because I don't know. I'm not Jesus. I can't read hearts and minds. But there are certainly those who do sit in pews like these. And when they hear the word that comes from this pulpit, no matter the pastor, they will sit there and go, well, yeah, that's just your opinion, man. So it goes among sinners. Nevertheless, beloved, Christ's church is one. It would be nice to see this unity in action more often, I agree. But for us, the unity of Christ is seen here when people gather around this pulpit, this font, and that altar to be fed with the bread of life. We see this distortion in action today when St. Peter says, Lord, it is good for us that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter is astounded by what he sees. All of us have had moments in our lives when we are like this. When you see something, something that just astounds you, usually the first thing that comes out of your mouth kind of sounds like homina, 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 homina. And you don't really know what to say. And you just sort of mumble something, and it's supposed to make sense. Well, what Peter here is saying kind of makes sense, but it really doesn't. Because what Peter is saying with this wonderful case of open mouth insert foot disease is that he really wants our Lord to go away and take Moses and Elijah with him. Peter, you see, realizes he's a sinner. And he knows that he should not be in the presence of the Most High God, especially when the Most High God is showing his glory. Moses and Elijah also shared in a moment not too different from this one. Moses, if you'll recall, asked to see the Lord's glory. And the Lord said, well, you can't see it and live. So I'm going to stuff you right here in the cleft of this rock, and I'm going to show you my backside. So the Lord put him in the cleft of the rock and passed by him, but did not let him see him face to face, just the rear end. And Moses has been spending time with our Heavenly Father in our Old Testament reading. When he comes down from Mount Sinai to speak to the Israelites, Aaron and the other leaders are like, Moses, dude, oh, too much holiness. You've been hanging around the Shekinah, the holiness of God, a little too long. Would you please veil your face? Because there's just too much holiness to be seen. We know when we're around holy things. And these folks knew that Moses had been around the Holy One. 
And so when he went up to talk to the Lord, he put, took the veil off. But when he came back down, he put the veil on. Elijah had another moment, unlike, just like Moses, in which he also wanted to see God's glory. And the Lord threw a bunch of things in front of him, and ultimately there was a still, small voice. And Elijah, yeah, petrified, because he had just been in the whirlwind, so to speak. So Moses and Elijah knows what it is to see the glory of God and live. And now Peter, James, and John are witnesses of God's glory. And would you believe? They're living. Even though Moses, even though Peter is like, uh, that's too much holiness. Uh, let's build you guys tents and you can go and be holy someplace else, not in front of me. Now, in Christ Jesus, beloved, you and I are able to see this glory like Peter, James, and John did and live. Remember that when the curtain in the temple was rent asunder, when our Lord Jesus breathed his last, access to God in the most holy place was now ours. You may recall that only the high priest was allowed to go into that most holy place once a year to sprinkle the blood of the atonement on the ark which was inside this most holy place. But this curtain was rent asunder and our Lord's breathing his last. Now we have free and unfettered access to God. We can see his holiness and live. We can even reach out, as it were, and touch him, unlike Uzzah in 1 Samuel when they were bringing the ark back from the Philistines into Shiloh. And the oxen stumbled, and the ark looked like it was going to fall off the cart. And Uzzah reached out and touched the ark to try to push it back up, and he was killed graveyard dead on the spot. Why? The Lord said, nobody touches the holy thing and lives. Don't you think I would have taken care of it had it happened? And he would have. But this is not an Uzzah moment. This is a you and me moment. And we live. Jesus' blood and perfect righteousness shed for our sake, bestowed on us because of Jesus, makes us worthy, makes us holy, makes us see that glorious sight on that mountain peak. It's a good thing to take a look at right now because we are just a few weeks away from the season of Lent. And it is very easy during this season when we spend a special focus looking at sin and righteousness and judgment and how we have lots of sin and very little righteousness and deserve nothing but eternal punishment for sin. That we forget about what we hear tonight. We forget the glorious Jesus. The same Jesus, by the way, that hangs his flesh upon a cross. This is Jesus in his glory. The same Jesus who's on the mountain peak. Now he lays on his throne. The cross. For you. That you may live. That you may be forgiven. That you may be declared worthy of everlasting life. So it is good to be here. 
Not just on the mountain peak with Peter and James and John. It's good to be right here in the Lord's house, surrounded by images of holiness, surrounded by these holy things, especially this, these holy things on this altar, his very body and blood. It's good to be here because we need to see it. We need to hear it. And we taste and we see that the Lord indeed is good. He is holy. And he deigns to make us holy too. Even in the midst of our sin, we are holy, awaiting his summons, awaiting his return when he wakes the dead and changes the living and the dead and makes them to be one people again, perfect and holy and righteous in his sight. When it was all over, Jesus came and touched them, the disciples, and said, Rise and have no fear. And believe me, there was a lot of fear to go around that day. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. It's a good thing to think about as we get ready to go into Lent in a few weeks. Lent for us has become this time of solemn and grave. But hidden in the Solomon grave, there is joy. For Jesus is on the march to Calvary, to the tomb, to come out of the tomb and to live, that you may also live. To give you the scene that you and I will see on Judgment Day. So we rise and have no fear here in the, in the Lord's house. There's no need to be afraid because we raise up our eyes and see Jesus only forgiving our sins. Jesus only who is holiness with skin clothing us in his holiness. Listen to him for he is your salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.